Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Islanders country, hello. This is the Eyes on Isles podcast powered by the Fan Sided Sports Network. I'm your host, Joe Bono, an author of New York Islanders A to Z by the book, Sports the Islanders Children's Foundation. And follow us on Twitter at Isles Fix, where you can subscribe to our Monday through Friday Islanders newsletter. And I am joined here once again by our full time recurring guest and art connoisseur himself, who's made a very big purchase since the last time we spoke, <laughs> Mr. Andy Francis. How are you, sir? How's it going? I got to say, that's a clean introduction for yourself as well as myself. I don't think I could do it that good, so good on you. <laughs> so, it is. It's that's smooth. That that is that is Nestle quick right there. That is some smooth. Well, I am a uh, you know, formally trained uh, broadcaster back in the day, now 20 almost 20 years ago. But uh, people that are listening to this can't see it, but I am watching you live from your studio in your Florida home right now and there's something there's something different in the background that was a big subject of our last show. People have been inquiring to know what the status was of your, you know, the the noses of your eye. And, yes, and what, so what's next to you? It has arrived. The statue that was original no, uh, no, <laughs> known as Perpetual Noses, that is the actual original piece that if you were to look it up online it was called perpetual noses but the way i look at things is the once you put your little touch on it once you do a little something with it you can rename it kind of like the fastball in major league remember that i call this the terminator you hit it you (laughs) rename it and he goes yeah i call that the shit eater well i've put my touch on the perpetual noses and now it's called something Then I like to say when I tell people to enjoy their weekends, if they've had a good couple of days with picks and they have a couple extra shekels in their pockets, I say enjoy the fruits of your sniff. So this is called the fruits of my sniff. That is the name of this little sculpture. We have it on a little rotating stand. So it's rotating like a QVC item in the back of my videos. And I'm extremely happy to have it. So... Right now, I don't see it, but I saw one video where Lord Stanley's Cup was on top of the rotating fruits of your sniffs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's uh, it can be – right now, I got a little hockey puck on there, kind of depending on the mood. I mean, usually, I bring out the Stanley Cup for the playoff videos, but since – it was the first day I thought it was a good way to introduce it, that the sniffs were under the cup because it's going to make sense once those playoffs come yeah. along. You know, well, I'm sure we'll be talking about the playoffs on here. It's going to be the playoff sniffs, the Stanley Cup sniffs, and it's the perfect base for the cup. The cup lies <laughs> – like if you – do you know the original Stanley Cup is just the top part yeah, of the current of Stanley they, Cup? They remove it. I always wonder about this. It's only – 
only a certain more years before the Islander names are on that cup because they have to remove the base after so many years when they uh, when they run out of room and then they start with a fresh new one. So yeah, yes. Yeah, so it, it originally was just that top part of the cup, and then they built underneath it. Well, now this is just a continuation of that concept. Now you have the Stanley Cup up top, then the base that they continued to build, and that lies on the foundation of the sniffs that are going to be underneath it. And I can't think of anything less interesting for your users to listen to than me going on about this nose statue that I have sitting to my right. So how about we talk about a little something that they came here for called those New York Islanders? Yeah, no. Well, first off, I just want to say the Major League Two reference at the start of the show, just made my day uh, with the Ricky no Vaughn problem. Terminator. <laughs> it's like Bob Euchre, yeah. Eliminator line to left the base hit. He's like, <laughs> crack me up. Uh, but yeah, the New York Islanders. I, you know, here we are, three wins in a row, a seven to two route of the Toronto Maple Leafs at a rockin' UBS arena on Tuesday night. And they are trailing one nothing, not playing a great first period. And then Sorokin makes the the Sorokin, as now we're calling it, another paddle save. And there have been three paddle saves so far this season, two by Sorokin, one by Varlamov against the Vegas Golden Knights. And those paddle saves, in some way, have saved the Islander season. They were down a goal when he did it against Pittsburgh. They were down a goal when he did it against Toronto on, on Tuesday night, and the Varlamov save, I think, came when they were up one nothing in a game that ended up going um, into overtime that Barzell won right before the All-Star break. And then they just turn it on. And again, even after losing Brock Nelson, Andy, in the first period, that third period, after the Marner goal, respond back with the Clutterbuck goal, the second of the game, and then they played about as complete, as perfect, as beautiful an Andy Francis third period as possible. Um, at, at the, against the Maple Leafs as they as they poured it on and scored um, a season-high seven goals in the victory. Well, when I look at a game like that, many times people are left with that great taste in their mouth because you see a third period like that where you pull away and you're seeing all those goals and you say, what a complete Islanders victory. But what made that victory, that absurd save that you're referencing, that's a one nothing Leafs game, and the Leafs thoroughly controlled the first period. If that second puck goes in, it's more likely than not we're not liking the result of that game. Because digging yourself out of a 2 nothing hole means you have to take more chances offensively. You have to send defensemen a little more, and you leave yourself prone to the counter, which the Leafs are going to be absolutely filthy with as you saw what that roster can do in moments. You saw Marner and you saw Nylander in moments doing what you know they do best. If that save doesn't happen, they're down 2 nothing, and that game could take a whole different feel. So it's great to see that a Sorokin performance, unlike we've seen so many times earlier this year, was not wasted. He came up with that huge save. They got the next goal. They turned the game around, and they won it by a clean, comfortable margin. But that was all made possible by that save and that first period that Sorokin was able to have. And, you know, I wrote about it in the newsletter about, hey, listen, you're not going to make the playoffs just by winning the games you're supposed to win. You have to win games between now and the end of the year against teams that are ahead of you in the standings. And the Islanders do have some more of those coming up. And this was one game against Toronto where 
if you did lose it, it wasn't going to be the end of the world. But man, to try to give yourself a little bit of breathing room and to stay ahead of teams like Florida that were nipping at your heels, it was a game at home that you really needed to win. And to do it in that fashion was the type of victory where you make you start pondering to say, hmm, you know, maybe this top wild card all of a sudden that you talked about so much for weeks and weeks and weeks as really what's necessary to make any kind of a playoff run is now really in play with them three points ahead of the Panthers and um, ahead of Pittsburgh that's now lost four in a row. And all of a sudden you're looking at the Islanders and you're looking at money puck and I know what does it mean, but I was astonished to see 80 plus percent chances of making the playoffs now. And that seventh spot with the vulnerabilities potentially with Carolina, given their big injury problems, it was a win now with two consecutive days off where you start to you start to allow yourself to dream a little bit as to whether or not this team, provided they're healthy, and maybe if Barzal comes back and certainly Brock Nelson, um, can make a little bit more noise than we expected. Because we kind of went through these different phases of, ah, they'll make the playoffs, it'll be an easy knockout for the, to, the, to the Bruins, and now maybe feeling a little bit different, a little bit more optimistic right now. Well, because that was all contingent on us fighting for that wild card one. And all the other things that had nothing to do with the Islanders actually happened. But this is what happens when you don't have a trustworthy defense. The unreliable defense took Ottawa right off the board. The unreliable defense took Buffalo, Buffalo right off oh the board. God. And this unreliable defense of Pittsburgh has allowed them to lose four straight, including to teams that they should have beat. And then the unreliable defense of Florida allows them to go into Philadelphia, give up five goals, and lose that game. That's the common thread, ladies and gents, for decades, for centuries. That will always get you out of the playoffs. What you saw from the Islanders earlier this year, a lack of attention uh, to detail in their own end. We looked like those teams throughout those stretches, losing random 5-2 to Philadelphia. But not so much more recently, so... Really, the big the big thing that got us here was Pittsburgh had those games in hand, and then they lost four in a row. That's what has specifically allowed us, because we knew that we'd be fighting for that eighth. The whole thing for us to truly get excited, if you're being realistic, you know you're not beating, because it's not about just beating the Bs. Then you'd have to beat the winner of Tampa, who eliminated us twice in the last three years, and Toronto. It wasn't just about that. And then you got to play whoever comes out of the Metro. Opposed... To getting maybe an injury-ravaged team then maybe uh, in Carolina, and then maybe you get an inexperienced team in the Devils or something like that, that's a completely different scenario than the opposite side of the bracket. And those four losses in a row by Pittsburgh have allowed the possibility for that to happen. Now, we got to not just think that, oh, yeah, well, now we'll go over there into Columbus and win that game. You, you got to – I know you're focusing on the games that – uh, that maybe you shouldn't win. You have to win some of those too. But do not lose yeah, sight of, of those winners. Because as you're seeing around the league, as you see Tampa trying to catch Toronto, they lose to Montreal last night. As you see Florida lose 5-3 or 5-2 to Florida last uh, to Philadelphia last night. This happens more often than not. Even to teams who desperately need points. I mean, you had Calgary trying to get that eighth seed over there in the West. Lose 3-1 to to Anaheim on their home ice last week. How does that happen? It happens because when these teams are playing with house money and they know they're out of the playoffs, they can take chances and they can gamble. And that's why the Arizona Coyotes have points in like six of seven. Mm -hmm. So you can't just look, look what Columbus did in that last game against Washington. Put up seven goals, eradicated two two goal deficits. So, that, you know, they're playing with some, 
that weird freak house money mojo here at the end of the year. So it's not just going to be some easy game to win. And right now, Pittsburgh actually with a 2-0 lead over Andy's Avalanche uh, in the second period. We'll see what happens there. Islanders have 10 games left in the regular season. Four of them come against teams that are going to the playoffs. Like you said, this very big back-to-back with Columbus and Buffalo. Try to just completely bury the Sabres if they're not there already. And then you have a game against the Devils at Washington. That's going to be tricky. Tampa, Carolina, Tampa. Three-game stretch, April 1st, 2nd, and 6th. As well, that will be key before the final three games of the year, Philadelphia, Washington, and Montreal. Um, you talked about last week, too, that you know the more you're about your system, the more you can withstand changes in your, your lineups. And we were talking about, about that mostly in the concept of, of line changes that were happening quite a bit. But then even within injuries, yes, the uh, Nelson injury did not really miss a beat with the way they rotated around him. And that's Brock Nelson there. But then also Sebastian Ajo goes out. And I know Sebastian Ajo is the sixth defenseman on this team, but he's played a lot of games in a row. He's been there the entire year. But for Samuel Bulldog, that's a great way to describe it. He's been there. (laughs) He's He's been there the entire year. Part of life is showing up, Andy. And he's been there. And for Bulldog to kind of come in, and you can tell how high they are on him, at least by the way Lane Lambert talks about him every time he's asked a question during the postgame. And it was like there was no change. If not, maybe some even uh, improvements upon it. So to see not only the players in the lineup, part of the everyday lineup, kind of just committing to the system, regardless of how they're being interchanged within the lineup and the line combinations, but then also to see a player come in from Bridgeport, who also probably got the nod over Wotherspoon because of his ability to play on the power play, but also not to have any defensive lapses or, or problems. Again, the overall commitment of each player, each shift, not wanting to let each other, each other down. Yeah, I mean, it's been a, a philosophy change. There, there are theories of what has sprung sprung upon us, whether it was the Barzell, whether it was Lane Lambert, whatever it may be, uh, it was necessary. And I'm glad it arrived, you know, better late than never. And just to reinforce something, so you don't just see it from the Islanders. I'll go back to that other team, the Minnesota North Stars that we were talking about. Remember that they lost Kevin Fiala this year, didn't miss a beat. Well, they lost their best superstar player in Cyril Carol Kaprizov. It's been out six games. They've lost one in regulation. Yeah. When you Wild, yeah. when you stick to the system and you have a good goalie, which they have, you can churn out points. And a big win and, for them with Eli Manning uh, in attendance in New Jersey uh, on Tuesday night as well. Um, also want to talk about the lineups because we were trying to play – you know, what were they going to do with Pajot back, with Clutterbuck back, Engvall now uh, proving that he should be sticking in the lineup? What was that top line going to be like with Anders Lee and Bo Horvat and whether or not Simon Holmstrom was going to be the odd man out? And Lambert made the move following the loss to the L.A. Kings. They scratched Josh Bailey. And, you know, I wrote about it at the time that and that one felt different. He had been scratched five times to that point during the year, but none of them had been prolonged. But looking at what the other options were available to Lane Lambert and the way the team was playing, that this one may stick a while. And now Josh Bailey's been a healthy scratch for three straight games and obviously all three wins. And, um, you know, we'll see what this means for Josh Bailey going forward for the rest of the season and beyond this year. But this felt like it was a long time coming. And, you know, the addition of Horvat, the addition of Angville, 
um, Holmstrom, and then really the emergence of Hudson bashing. That's three, four players that were not here at the start of the year that kind of pushed Josh Bailey finally out to being a healthy scratch. Yeah, I, I don't want to crap on the guy. We know how many people have talked about him for a while. So I'm going to be nice because he's been here a long time. It's long overdue. He is a player that only is qualified to play in the top six because of his style. Either he's an offensive contributor, he shouldn't be on the bottom six because the bottom six has checking responsibilities, energy line. I don't believe that he makes the team better in the top six. He's an emergency player only. That's what I, how I think that you use a guy like him. And we appreciate what he's done during his time here, but he is more of a detriment than he is uh, an asset when he's on the ice. So, Yeah, it's been um... – there were senses of it throughout the course of the year. And, you know, he's quoted it saying he doesn't necessarily feel like he's been playing poorly. Um, that's debatable. But again, there really just isn't a spot in the lineup the way other players have emerged that makes sense for Josh Billy to be in the lineup. He, he can't earn it over anyone else. It's going to likely take some kind of an injury, I would say, uh, to get him back in the lineup at this point. Um, especially, you know, the way Holmstrom's been playing, reliable, even picked up a goal um, against Toronto. Um, on, on the Tuesday night as part of those seven goals. Um, yeah, I see no problems with him. Any, I think anybody who is repeatedly critiquing Holmstrom just doesn't know the complete game of hockey. They're only looking at the offensive side of things. They're only looking at the offensive side of stats. He always puts himself in a position to help out defensively, puts himself in a defensive position to always be a third man high. And if you're evaluating his performance solely on the statistics, I don't think you're doing it properly. He has clearly been a benefit to the team mm-hmm. more so than like – he he he's been like a jack of all trades for the Islanders. They've asked him to play on the top line. They've asked him to play on that effective third line, where which I personally think is where he's best utilized. But anything you've asked of him, he's not like some four or five year guy. He's not like an Aho. People give the rookie treatment, despite the fact that he's like he's got like grandkids already. The guy's like thirty two <laughs> years old. He's like uh, Holmstrom is how old is he? Twenty now. A little I mean, older than that, but yeah, I know he's getting that. Yeah, so, like he is still very young. These are still his first stretch of games, and for him to look the way he has, he's not like a fashion who's been bouncing around the league. He's a high draft pick who has played sound hockey, something that I am a fan of. And I don't know, maybe we need to do a breakdown show of the small things that he's doing on the ice to you know nullify odd man rushes, always support the, the forecheck in a way where they're not giving things up on the back end. You know, it's... I think any sort of wanting to bench somebody like that, I think is awful. I think somebody like him has had way more positives, but people see like someone like fashion crashing in, creating right. And they just equate that. Oh, look, I can, I can, I can tangibly see what he's doing. This is a good player opposed to things away from the puck. And those are the types of things that Holmstrom's doing. And I mean, I don't really know what to tell you other than he's a, an asset. The same type of thing where people will critique Pajot for not having more points despite him having third-line responsibility to shut down the other team's top line. That's what he's doing. So if there's a shut down the other top center statistic, oh, yeah, he scored a goal every single game. But since they don't see that, they just look at, oh, Pajot, he doesn't produce. We pay him to produce. No, you don't. You pay him to shut down the other team's player and supplement the offense when possible. And he's been supplementing the offense since he got back, uh, scoring uh, a goal in his first game, although he wasn't very happy with how he played in Los Angeles. But then that really big shorthanded goal in San Jose to tie the game and send the Islanders on their way to 4-1. And that's that line right now is what what a wonderful line uh, that has become with him 
um, and and Parise um, and and Fashing. Um, that's a, a really fun line to be part of right now. And Zach Parise is playing uh, such great hockey. Has a really good chance of getting to 20 goals. Uh, still hasn't missed a game. Still continues to be the Islanders' Iron Man. Uh, just been wonderful to see. It would be wonderful to see if Bo Horvat can score. Now, I think Islander fans are, are, are at the same time understanding and aware of all the other things that he's doing well. Um, winning the face-offs, playing the two-way game, chipping in on penalty kill, um, leadership, whatever you want to say. And they're winning, which is most important. And that winning really did coincide with his arrival uh, with a little bit of a hiccup there um, after our first couple wins. But there is going to come a time in the next 10 games that they're going to need their 36, 37 goal scorer to score goals. Um, they cannot continue to the secondary scoring is fantastic. And the Islanders have always been the best team when any given night, you can get goals from any line and you got two of them from Clutterbuck on, on Tuesday night. But at a certain point, Bo Horvat's going to have to score goals. Um, and hopefully he can, he said he's getting close and he's getting chances about uh, we, we need to start seeing them coming. Well, you know, I, I just call that like Islander fan punishment. They beg for a goal score, beg for a goal score, beg for a goal score, beg for a goal score. They get a goal score and now they're not allowed to complain because they're winning, but they're not getting the goals they've been clamoring for. This is like, you know, some Ebenezer Scrooge type stuff where like the ghost of Christmas future or something is like, you know, he's he's messing with you and showing you these things to make you learn. And he's doing all the little things that are necessary, everything that's asked of him. And it's not like he's not putting himself in the prime opportunities. We've seen him. It's not like he's deferring, like, you know, when you yell at bars out because he's passing up too much. He's ripping shots. If yeah. he gets a prime opportunity, he's taking the shots. So as long as he's doing that, just trust that a guy who can put the puck in the net will eventually have a stretch where they start dropping. Yeah, especially with the ways that he can do it. He can score from that bumper position on the power play. He can deflect pucks. He can drive to the net. That's a whole so other You know, it's all, it's all the power play. Can we yeah, talk all, about that? The power play? I mean, it, it is necessary because... You know, I'll, all right, how about this? I'll do that thing where I compliment before I insult. A good what's thing that, that thing Yonder's... Called? What's that thing called? Is there a name for that thing? Of course. It's when people say, oh, we know and love the guy. I know. But I mean, he smells like garbage. It needs to be a complete name it's for ca- it. It's called the Ned Stark. The Ned Stark is everything <laughs> that comes before the word but is horseshit. That's okay. what it's called, the Ned Stark. So you can remember that for future. The Ned references. Stark. I I I know uh, Game of Thrones really well, and I'm not sure if I completely get it. What do you mean? It, it, it's everything that comes before the word "but" is horseshit. That's what Ned Stark told. He said that. John. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Early season yeah. one, obviously, can't be anything but season one. Sorry. No. Well, well, John. John says it to Sansa, and then Sansa goes. Father never said that to me. He goes, eh, he never said it to the girls uh, because Sansa gave him a, a gave Jon Snow a butt answer, you know, where blah, blah like you're doing a great job, da, 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 but and then he goes, what did Father always say? Okay. Now, granted, this is this is not a George R. Martin line because it's in the later seasons, which is probably, <laughs> you know, why uh, maybe you don't know it or something like that. Some something tells me you read all the books. No, I did not read the books. No. Okay, so then it's from the show. Yeah, it's no, show. I, I just I just don't remember that specific line. But I'm glad now we can call this uh, what you're about to do about the Islander power play, the Ned Stark. So it's not the power play. I'm going to compliment oh, yeah, the, the team compliment and then for yep. uh, mm-hmm. something for the playoffs. Something for the playoffs that is important. Teams who have playoff success 
they need multiple lines who can score. This is always what the Islanders have, which is why I never really clamored so much for that first line forward. Because if you look at the Islanders' playoff success, there were multiple stretches where it was the Nelson line that got hot. Then the Barzal line would get hot in a series. Then the Pajot line would contribute in those two runs that we had. And then the fourth line would contribute their goals. The fact that they were coming from four separate lines, it's a massive advantage in a playoff series because other teams cannot just try to focus their checking center and their best pairing on one line because it, will, it would always open up things for the other Islander lines. And the Islanders, as you've seen, still have that. Look who's scoring these goals. Look at those goals coming from Parisi on the third line. We're seeing how many goals from Clutterbuck last night. So you're getting depth scoring which is a massive advantage come playoff time. The flip side of that, there are entire series like the Carolina Rangers series that are decided on the power play. They won the series versus Carolina on the power play. Every single game they won, it was because of power play goals. They were dominated five on five the entire series, but Carolina couldn't score on the power play. Rangers scored on almost every power play. And that decided the series. And when you remember when we played the Lightning, we went whole games just praying not to take a single penalty because that's when their power play was clicking at an absurd rate. I mean, it's still top five in the NHL, but that often would decide a game as well. One penalty could decide the game. So now the massive advantage, that disadvantage that you're putting yourself at, because it's not like this is the Islanders power play where it's like, oh, it's bottom half of the league. They're bottom three in the NHL. And they can't rely on it in any way, shape, or form. I don't care if we get the first wild card, second wild This has to be addressed, and this has to be fixed. And I could offer my particular suggestions, but what is that going to do? Is Lane Lambert going to listen listening. to me? Well, maybe on the you, off chance you that you extra, are. If you throw in, an extra in, sniff, maybe at the end of the broadcast. <laughs> in, in the off chance that you are, please, <laughs> Lane and the rest of the crew, Take Ryan Pulak, who you saw drill a missile from yeah, the deep blue line. The only power play goals we've scored recently. And put him in Dobson's role just so at least the high, uh, the, the guy who's pressuring high has to respect the shot coming off of Pulak's stick. Because nobody respects Dobson's shot. Yes, he tries to get shots through for tips and rebounds, but he can't score clean. When you have a guy who can blast a laser, it's going to pull out the defender towards him. And what does that mean? That now Palmieri's one-timer will open up because they will be scared of Pulak's one-timer coming from that side. So you have to have both of your shooters on the ice at the same time. Now, with Matt Barzell not available, you're going to need somebody to distribute it to those two. In my calculation, since we got rid of Bavillier, because he was our second best, uh, second best passer, believe it or not, you're looking at somebody like Pajot playing on the right side of the power play, dishing it off to those two guys. The one unfortunate part about a power play like this, but they were still in this predicament anyway, is you can't feed Bo Horvat in that high bumper because he's a lefty. He now kind of has to face face you and be looking more for tips and things like that. But have your two best shooters, it's not rocket science, have your two best shooters in their one-timing positions, get pucks to them, their shots will bring the defenders out to them, which will create the spaces in between to allow you to get it to someone like Horvat in the bumper position. That's what you have to do. We currently have one shooter on the ice, or, or two with Horvat, and there aren't lanes available because they're shading towards those players. We have to try to get 
Pulak and Palmieri's shots set up. Those are your two biggest weapons, and we haven't had them on the ice at the same time on the top unit. And yeah, then so when Barzal comes back, you basically are want to run the Rangers power play or something before Kane got there when, with Barzal operating Panarin's position. Panarin's a righty as well. And then he's either setting up Zabanajad, who would be Palmieri, or even though Fox doesn't shoot as much, or Pulak would be. It's like there's two Zabanajads. One would be... Uh, one would be Palmieri, and one would be Pulak. And anytime there's a lane, let them rip it because you've got two great tippers in front of them. I just don't understand why they're staying with the unit that's not working. And he and Lane Lambert says, "Well, if I knew the answers, I would." Do- well, try this. The same way you didn't realize that Sezikis was going to be good on the left wing. I said this back to you. He has to stumble in to things that work rather than proactively find them. And that's what he needs to do is proactively find the solution. Get your best two shooters out there and get some pucks to the net. You just saw Pulak blast one in from almost center ice. That shot was so deep. Uh, yeah, allow him the opportunity to do that again. We need to. You need to cut this video out there and 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 make it uh, make it go viral tomorrow. I mean, I mean, Ryan Pulak does have a little bit of the uh, the Fulton Reed in him, right? His ability to get the puck on net, but yeah, certainly the threat. And then AJ Malesko referenced it during the broadcast yesterday that he talked. She talked to Bo Horvat about what they have to do better, and she said they need to move the puck faster was kind of what Horvat had said. So it's a combination, I think, what you're saying, having these guys in the right roles and then just have more, you know, quicker puck movement as well to keep the uh, defensive uh, group, uh, you know, kind of moving left to right and on their toes a little bit, apparently to just making it very easy for them as they have now. Although, you know, you look back to the power play goals they scored when Barzell was there with Horvat, and that was encouraging. I think they were 7 of 16, and then also had another one that just came right after, I think, a power play had ended. So maybe like 8 of 7. It was really... Good number in a very small sample. Um, so again, that's uh, you know a real shame that we just haven't been able to see whether or not uh, that chemistry between Horvat, Barzell, and just how that makeup of that power play unit would look like. But uh, right now, we don't know what Barzell's status is going to be. He's good enough and healthy enough to go watch the uh, Brooklyn Nuts, Brooklyn Nets against the uh, Denver Nuggets. He was uh, at Barclays Center uh, doing that over the weekend, but still not skating um, at all on his own or with the team. So. Uh, we, we don't know whether or not over the next two or three weeks of having him, having him back is realistic at this point. All right. So listen, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk more Islanders on the ice, off the ice and everything else in between. You're listening to the eyes on Isles podcast powered by the fan sided sports network, Joe Bono and Andy Francis. We'll be right back. We're back. Joe Bono, Andy Francis, eyes on Isles podcast, fan sided sports network. And I was listening to a podcast earlier today. So uh, Spit and Chicklets, Barstool Sports, obviously people know that group. Maybe don't aren't the biggest fans of the co-host based on some of the comments uh, Paul Bizanet and Ryan Whitney have said about the Islanders this season. Although everyone's having a lot of fun with the boring and the snooze fest. And a really great meme went out uh, after the Islanders beating Toronto of both uh, P.K. Subban and Ryan Callahan kind of asleep in their chairs. And then someone threw, uh, you know, JT in his pajamas um, there and talk about uh, JT and pajama boy and kind of that still being a thing now four years later in just a moment. But this interview with Milbury, and it's like a three-hour episode. I don't know how long Milbury's on, but I kind of fast-forwarded to the Islanders section. And I, I just can't look away like a car crash when it comes to talking about that period of Islanders hockey. Like some people, I'm sure, it just kind of enrages them. But 
Milbury just has always entertained me. Like when he was a broadcaster, I was entertained. And even when he was a GM making some really lousy moves, I just I, I enjoyed his presentation, if that makes any sense. Well, you're I a just, guy who enjoyed wrestling growing up. Yeah. That's why. It's like watching it was like watching Monday Night Raw or WCW. It's like watching <laughs> Eric Bischoff. Right. I just I could not I could I always can't look away. He always grabs my attention. And he was just recounting some stories from that time. And, you know, listen, a lot of some, there were some trades that are completely on him for making and then other moves that were just because of ownership pretty much telling him you need to slash payroll 25%, 30%, et cetera. Um, and you having, you know, how many of his ex-owners that he worked for ended up being in jail for some uh, for some period. I think if you include Spano, it was four different owners that he worked for ended up being in, in jail for some reason. So just the pure dysfunction around it. He even talked about it at a time where they were trying um, to – uh, get the Coliseum designated a certain way. So they had to remove all of the corporate offices out of the Coliseum and they're working in some shabby like Long Island uh, office building as the New York Islanders front office. And well, this plays in, in the city. But this it, plays in to mm-hmm. something that I was telling you about. And I'm sorry to cut you off, but no, no, I'll keep going. This plays into what I was telling you about me and the Carney fan base. It's not just the event. It's some of these things. We have to play our radio station on like Hofstra Race. Some ra- a college <laughs> station has That's to broadcast the professional games. We, I know we used to park at Nassau Community College and then walk through a hole in the fence to get free parking. Everything about this is <laughs> when you're talking about the whole thing. It's just everything. Parking in a community college, going through a hole in the fence. It, that is the whole carny environment that I was talking about. Well, that's what I was. That's part of the reason that I'm, I'm bringing this up is that you hear about this. He was talking about how he was negotiating with DiPietro, and him and Charles Wong were talking about Rick getting a one point, going from a million to one point one or one point two, and then he met Charles at lunch at Garden City Hotel, and Charles was like, "Oh, we signed DiPietro, two million dollars, without Milbury even knowing about it." You know, things like that. Or that when Milbury finally left the Islanders altogether, he got paid uh, throughout that final year, which was part of his agreement. And then the checks kept on coming. He got paid an entire next year's salary by Charles Wong when he wasn't supposed to. And Wong never asked for the money back or anything. Just kind of craziness. And then you see a game like last night against Toronto where it's a sold-out crowd. They're playing on ESPN plus... Um, you know, kind of a national type type of game, sold out, state of the art arena. Again, with a team that doubled down to the deadline, added payroll, ownership committed, and sometimes you just have to take a moment and go, "Man, we've come a long way." Now there's still this background, like you're talking about the the for a lot of us that are around our age or older that, yeah, we remember that it's kind of ingrained in us that period of time, but we're in this kind of inflection period as an organization, as an Islander fan of kind of moving towards away from that and into the big time of how things are working. You know, uh, when I was on the hockey night in New York show, someone had a question and the question was about whether or not they're going to install heated lamps at the Heineken Terrace. (laughs) I'm like, like, how far have we come as a fan base where people are like, it's a little chilly out there in February. Why can't they bring in some heated lamps? Wow. We went from seven years ago at the Nassau Coliseum getting your food put in Heineken boxes to now having (laughs) heated Heineken lamps. 
I'll never forget that, by the way. I man. keep on bringing it up. Uh, it's just, I, I it's know. crazy, man. They handed me an upside down beer box with food in it. That is, what is that? Now, well, I told the story on the show that, you know, I was there for Tavares's um, game winning goal in overtime, game three against the Capitals, which was 17 seconds into overtime, whatever. Oh, it yeah, was. yeah, I was there for that. Yeah. And, you know, the period ended and everyone ran out because you had to go to the bathroom, perhaps. And the porta potties were outside. So they knew that you wouldn't be able to handle a sold out crowd with the men's bathroom. So they had lines of porta potties outside. So you walked outside of an arena, stood online in the sunshine in the afternoon in April in Long Island, went to the bathroom in the parking lot and then went back in to get to your seat. So again, what I just sometimes there's going to be a point where we're going to kind of forget how it was, but then hearing about how things were in the late '90s and even early 2000s when they were even making the playoffs, but still how dysfunctional they were, you know, with the Neil Smith and the Garth Snow, and then the you know the uh, board of governors with Lafontaine and Brian Trottier running the team as a conglomerate with a group of five, you know, keep we've come a long way, and and moments like last night. You know, I, I think you got to you got to savor and take a step back and go. You know, this is pretty cool where the franchise is right now. This is this is not the best of times ever, certainly because of the dynasty. But these are these are pretty good times right now. Yeah, absolutely. If you can look at things on a you know macro level, you can zoom out and look at things in ten year stretches. Absolutely. After they drafted Tavares, and you know they at least had a franchise player. Yeah, they were, they were in flux with the arena, but don't forget that when Barclays started, there was excitement. Oh, the Nets and the Islanders, it's like there was something there that they were trying to – and then even when that didn't work out, then you get a whole project that takes off. It's And then you have some playoff success, by the way, right before that. It is slowly – you know – you forget, it's like getting taller or something, and you and you when you're you have a bunch of kids when you're charting that height Just on the two. wall. <laughs> <laughs> I know I haven't done that yet. Every single like Christmas start of the year, I'm like I'm gonna start doing that, and I forget next year. But regardless, or even if you're looking at your hair grow or something, you don't notice it in the mirror every day, and then all of a sudden, six months later, there it is, and it's the same type of thing with these incremental gains in terms of the quality of your organization or, or, or the reputation of your the organization. seriousness the seriousness of the organization yeah it's a serious organization now and not just in terms of whether or not they're a serious contender to win or, or make a run in the playoffs you know and you can hate like Lou all you business. want like for some of what he does but it, there is a certain level of uh, there's like a certain base to the organization like you know it, with him at the helm there's only so much of a carny organization you can be because he's only been affiliated with serious and for the most part successful organizations yeah, no nonsense yep mm -hmm. yeah so that in and of itself i guess the question would be if he was gone who are they hiring and then should we start that merry-go-round soundtrack you know right and now but for uh, the most part it's been good yeah and during the during the game against the Leafs, and actually I didn't even pick this up, and I, I didn't see it until you tweeted about it, that the we don't need you chants were back. And uh, you 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 did not take this. You took umbrage with this. It's just, 
it's just a sign of weakness, like someone telling you that like, oh, look how good I look. I don't need my ex anymore. You were begging for your ex. You desperately wanted to stay and you can't let go of that scorned ex period. I'm okay with a good amount of scorn. Let it out of your system. Get it out. Boo him. Have all the cardboard cutouts. You can be as nasty as you want. But then after a certain point, if you're texting your ex four Christmases later, hoping that can maybe turn into something else, you're embarrassing. You're embarrassing. You can, with, with that playoff success that we've had and the lack that they've had over there and his inability to eat, it's not like he went there and everything's going well. Everything's went the way you would have hoped. So that's it. Let it go after that point. But no, you they just want to be pricks till the very end. And it, it just makes them look like here come the bad reviews. <laughs> no, but there 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 has to be a contingent of people who are like, okay, like it's right. I just can't. People are still talking about it, and also he's entering the part of the contract where you're winning. He's slow. He's the he is the least talented of their top five players, including Ryan O'Reilly. He's not even that good anymore. So this is the part of the contract we're going to win out. So you should start celebrating that you don't have that on the books because he's part of the reason that they're going to have to rejigger everything with their salary cap over there. He's done nothing. He's only getting slower. That should be enough. He's having a you know? good year. He's got 30 goals again, 70 points. No, he does. 100%. 100%. The production's there, but you have to understand he's playing with world-class sure. talent. Mm-hmm. Okay? Anthony Bovillier, look at his production since playing with Pedersen. You think that makes a difference? You take Tavares and stick him in Matt Barzal's spot or something like that, where you've just been giving him random wingers, how do you think he'd be doing down here? Yeah, he wouldn't be yeah. putting up the uh, Tavares numbers that he put up with the Islanders uh, when he had to uh, prop up yeah. um, other other players. Um, yeah, I'm listen. I was in the I was in the um, arena February 29th, 2019. One of the more fun regular season games you'll ever be at, and I was chanting my heart out as well, having a blast the entire game. The entire game was pretty much a party from midway from the first period. I yeah. don't think I would have participated in that chant if I was in the stands. Uh, last night, and I think you know for the reasons you said. At a, at a certain point, you have to be like, "We've won. We're okay. I'm happy where we're at, and uh, we're, we're moving on." But I get it, and you know, you need a certain type of game. You're not going to do that in a one goal game. It's the type of game that's a five two six two seven two blowout game where the um, where the final score is not going to be, you know, in you know of consequence that 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 kind of stuff can happen. And uh, we hadn't heard it in a lot of recent home games because there really wasn't an opportunity to do it. This was the first time and, and it came back. So you know where they care about hockey, hockey a lot in Calgary. I have news for you. They care about it more than long Island. They do. They do. Cause you long Islanders, you have your Mets and your you have something other than me who it's really only the Islanders. And I have no allegiance to any other New York teams or any other teams in general. It's all Preston on the Islanders like a bunch of poker chips. They care about the Flames more in Calgary than we care about the Islanders. And you can say no, but it's just not the case. They live, breathe, and die. Go look at where Calgary... I know you think you know where Calgary is. Actually look where it is on a map and ask what they're doing tonight. They're talking about the Flames because it's absolutely freezing up there. It doesn't matter that we're getting towards the end of March. And Johnny Goudreau just ghosted them. Kachuk just goes, oh, he's leaving? I want out. They got double screwed. And now they're forced to take Huberdeau, who's a disaster. And what do they do? 
What do they do when they show his video package? They cheer Johnny Goudreau up there. Now, am I asking you to do that? I'm a petty prick too, but I get it out of my system. Once I really iron it out, that's it. All right, you screwed me. I screwed you. I booed you. I have a cardboard cutout of you in pajamas. We're even. But no, it's like, I just, I don't get it, man. Enough is enough. Okay, let it go. All right, well, talk about some big performances coming up this weekend. Mentioned the Islanders with big games back-to-back Friday and Saturday. I have a big performance on Saturday myself, and I really do maybe could use your your help because you're someone who's stood up there on stage uh, to perform. You've had a comedy act. You've acted before. You do these uh, NHL bets uh, videos to thousands and thousands of people worldwide. Uh, I was asked to MC a uh, nursery school fundraiser <laughs> this weekend that I'm attending. Well, uh, let's just say that's not my forte. Okay, I I have to chisel around the edges. You don't got any, you don't any, well, any, any good uh, fundraiser jokes? MC fundraiser jokes for the uh, for the dads of the three and four year olds. Well, I'm assu- is it just for the parents? It's just the parents. Um, so the it's the kind of they have two fundraisers, one at the start of the year, which is kind of like an orientation type of deal, and then the bigger one is coming up here um, on on Saturday night. Uh, there's a theme as well. It's country couture is the theme. So I had to buy like this ridiculous cowboy shirt and hat. I don't know. It's one of these things where it's themed, but you don't know how seriously people are going to follow the theme. Like I can very well show up with this Amazon belt buckle would it be that I bought and yeah. be the only person in yeah, costume. It's, I call that Thursday Halloween syndrome where it's the Thursday before Halloween and everyone's like, wait, do we dress up? Do we? Do? And then you get the half dressers and the non-dressers. Then sometimes a bar, it's just you got dressed up and nobody else is dressed up. Exactly. Or like yeah. I think maybe a lot of the women will go all in and then like none of the men will and I'll be the only guy uh, – I'm okay, so no like kids there. Cowboy. No kids. No kids. It's no kids. All, it's at night. It's, a, it's at night. It's at night. So, but I. But there's a silent auction, and then there's the live auction. So I have to. I have to drum up excitement and the bids uh, for the live auction. This was. There was like a board meeting going on, and like within the board meeting, they were discussing who would be options uh, for for MCs, <laughs> and somehow my, my name came up. So like he hosts a podcast with Andy Francis and writes he wrote a book and he'd be great. Well, I don't know if they said the, any of that, but but yeah. I, so I guess during the auction, um, I guess maybe one of the first things I would ask, like, all right, so the first thing we have to auction for you guys is a night away from the kids. What are we going to start this bidding at, or whatever? I would include something, something, like something about because the kid, this event got everybody away from the kids, right. correct? Like there's no babysitters available in in the town, you know, right now. Everyone's everyone's taken. Everyone's accounted yeah. for for so, this, so this they, yeah. four hour so block on Saturday. There, there's where you go. Uh, that's where that's the first direction you head about how there was no babysitter availability for. You know, blah, blah, blah. Now, I don't know the level of freedom you have with this stuff, but 
Yeah, it's one of these things. Like my wife is very nervous about this because this could make or break us uh, from a social standpoint so. in the town for years to come. Next thing you know, we can be in every high society circles that there is, or we can be shunned. And just he just did such an awful job. <laughs> so I can play it very safe. So what they, is this for? You? Made, what kind of place? It's my my daughter's school. So this is uh, so this is your daughter. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So and they gave me they gave me the I have the I have the uh, li the live auction um, items so I have those now so I, I can start in my head starting to think about what I can go and it's everything from like a very premier parking space in the school to like jet giant tickets for next season like the jet versus the giant game like twenty five yard line like primo seats things like that wine tastings you know I so I gotta yeah I can, I can yeah, some play, of the stuff I can play it very very straight i can just literally be enthusiastic pronounce my words have a voice that carries over the everyone else and just stick things very close to the vest or i can take some chances and i'm what not I'll say really is sure which way i'm going yet. just like a fight put out the jab first put something that's a little off the script like the first item is you know that parking space or something yeah, I think that's what you know? we're gonna go with first. So, yeah. so then, and then, and then, just throw out like, um, just throw out like a little like you know, originally, the first one parking space number one was available, but tonight we're gonna be auctioning off parking space number two. You know, something mm -hmm. like that, like suggesting that you just something to to just see if it's a no nonsense crowd. You know, yeah. if you if you toss something corny out there and you get a chuckle, I think that opens up the door. But then, you know, it, it's one of those things. It's tough to give you advice on. You have to read the room. Yeah, and I've never but, done. I mean, I've done like, you know, I'm not a shy person, obviously. So I, I've done things where I've had to get on a microphone before quite a bit. But I've never had to do like, you know, do we have, you know, 175? Do I have 200? Come on, people, do 25. You know, I, I've never done that kind of... <laughs> I was looking up some like... The first thing I found when I, when they told me about this, I was, I was looking up some... Like, I, was, I actually Googled like auctioneer jokes like on Google. And like there was some really you can't, bad you ones. Can't, you can't. <laughs> now that you put that out there, by the time you go, I'll send you some good ones. One thing that I would do if I was you, I would auction off an item that's not even on the Ooh, list. Not see on the what, list. That's so you see what you get. You go, all right, well, now I know how much you guys are actually willing to spend. So now this is the base for this. Like you do a decoy item to get people to like, reveal. I just like had something in my pocket that's like a mystery item or something. Yeah. Oh, sorry. That was for the other auction that I'm going to be doing tomorrow. And, you know, that will – it's kind of – it can be self-deprecating if it's mm. something weird. All right. Well, um, listen, that's uh, – that's. I'll let you guys know how that all went next week. Um, and like I said, we're going to be raff, – not raffling off, but tickets will be um, to Giants Jets. Primo tickets will be among the – one, one of the items that people can, can bid on. But your brother, he will not have to bid on – tickets to a primo event because you big brother are, are treating your younger brother with the fruits of your sniffs yet again i mean that's unbelievable right there and the way i know you're going to do fine with this mz because not only was that an incredible transition <laughs> 
from the tickets that you're going to be auctioning off from that Giants Jets game to the tickets, but then you even thought about payment and you tied it back to the fruits of my sniff, which is associated with extra money earned. That is just a fantastic job. I don't care what schooling you took 20 years ago. That's like a pro comedian tying back the act to something from the beginning of their show. And you didn't know what we're talking about. You did it all on the fly while we were in mid-conversation. That that got a lot of respect out of me, Joe. That is good that. stuff. That man. is good stuff. That is good stuff. So so tell us what you got. The, you know, you're spoiling your brother here. So what's what's going on with him? So like I had mentioned last episode, it's been a good stretch for me, and I'm not a greedy person. Most of the stuff that I've been pursuing and performing, money has never really been the main motivator. So since I've been able to stumble into it, I would like to share the fruits of my sniff. And it tied in perfectly with my brother's graduation. He's graduating from college. And, uh, you know, he did very well the whole time at the University of Tampa. Huge Islander fan. So I decided that we're going to, and by the way, this is a scam gift because I get to to enjoy it. I get to enjoy it. (laughs) I mean, it, it is, but he is as big of a fan as me and you. We're good. We got box seats to the Tampa Bay Islanders game. That's obviously going to have a ton of playoff implications on the line. That's taking place, I believe, uh, April Fool's Day. So you know there will be a fool or two in attendance, and it's going to be one of those tickets like you got to enjoy at the uh, was it the Chase Club that you went to? Yeah, the Dime Club. Yep. Yeah, yeah, the the Dime Club. We're doing the. Tampa version of that. So we're going to have, you know, food and drinks all, you know, paid for and stuff. We might get heckled a little bit here and there. Will you wear, do you have Islander gear like full blown? I know you have a hat. Like, will you be in a jersey? I usually go, I usually go, I don't wear jerseys. I, 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 want, I want you on TV. Like if they score a goal, I want, I want the camera to find you guys. I, 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 I think I'm off the Islanders radar. I think uh, some of my stuff has banned me. You think MSG is like, no, that's Francis. If you even think about me being on MSG, it took the Rangers people to approach me to talk about the bad Santas, not the Islanders. I had to make it on in my Islanders jersey by going through the Rangers. I think you got to wear the Islanders jersey. I want I want a big goal. I want a Ryan Pulak power play goal set up <laughs> by J.G. Pajot and Kyle Palmieri, and then they just pan to you. And you're like, well, I don't told forget. You, you look at the camera, you're like, I told you, Lane. Well, don't forget. Well, you never know. If Barzal's back in that time, he'll be setting them up. But don't forget game one of the Eastern Conference Final, Pulak sending in an absolute bomb past Vasilevsky and then two goals against Vasilevsky the year before that in the playoffs. Where? On the power play. Where? In the one-timer position that apparently people think because he missed the net a few times, he doesn't have over a dozen power play goals. That, that missed the net thing is has just been it's come out of thin air because if i can show you 12 one-timer goals from the power play from a guy then he doesn't miss the net that much if he's got to you can't show me 12 one-timer goals from anybody else on the islanders so why does the one guy we have who can blast them in consistently even semi-consistently why is he getting 20 seconds of power play time nobody knows but remember lane said if we had the answers we'd do it but you know apparently not However, I hope to see Pulak on that top yeah, power play in that game that. as well. I feel like we're gonna we're gonna will that to the universe. You know, I know let's do it. maybe we'll see what the, the astrology reports say on April first for the oh, yeah. Andy, right? 
Listen, I know somebody. Timers and power play goals are in your future. I know somebody with some tie to the organization. You might be listening right now. I don't care what kind of practice coach intern you are. Whisper over to somebody and say, hey, in the practice, do me a favor. Roll out Pulak with that top unit just for a little. Just let it. I don't need any credit. I just want the Islanders to win. And if I see them continue to do what they're doing on the power play, I'm going to be sick. At least just quench my thirst. Allow it to give it five games together with that unit. Please do that if, you, if you're if you listening to me. You can be one of those lookers, not likers. That's half the people on my social media. Everyone looks, nobody likes. But I check those views, and they're looking. So <laughs> if you're listening, pass the message along, okay? Very good. And one last thing for me as I look at the, the fruits of your sniffs, they're rotating uh, over your right <laughs> shoulder right now. I was just listening to uh, – I was also listening to parts of a Talking Isles podcast they did with – Brian Trottier. I'm not sure if it was recorded a long time ago, but they published it again uh, earlier today. And uh, he talked about how he wanted this one night with the Stanley Cup and that it was the day before the parade and it was in Bill Torrey's office and Trottier asked to take it back home with him. And he made sure that he put it like on his nightstand. He opened up his his uh, windows um, and the blinds to make sure that when he woke up in the morning, the sun would be hitting it. It would be glistening. and It would be the first thing he saw. So I was wondering if you do the same with your noses, or does it stay in that position all day long? Does it does or does it come does it come to bed with you? No, it doesn't go to bed with me. I need it here. Like it's almost like Paul Bear holding the urn for the Undertaker. Oh, when yes. I'm looking at this oh, camera, yes. you're not the only one who can think on the fly. And, and I look at this thing and I need some inspiration for a sniff. I need it right here next to me because this is where I do the videos. It doesn't need to be all moving around. This is my urn. It stays right here. And when I need it, you know, it's there for me. So cool. I wonder if there's a way like to like cover it up and then like remove, you know, like the, we'll go all the way back to major league. Like you can remove the pieces with every like winning sniff and then like the whole thing. <laughs> I'm going to tinker with it with some some mini sunglasses on the nose. Like you can treat each nose as its, as its own thing. Uh, But I (laughs) see what you're saying. How many actual noses are on? Have you counted them? I haven't, but it's probably, it's almost, I'd say almost 10 per row. So you're looking at 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, about 60 of them. Wow. Impressive. That's uh, about what three four dollars a nose. What you pay for it? That's great. <laughs> well, well, don't forget <laughs> the only one. There's only one left online. Only one, and it's currently, I believe, sixteen hundred. So yeah, that's the it's new going up. So now we're looking at almost fifty. What fifty dollars a nose or something? Like <laughs> <laughs> All right, costs right. more than a nose job to get yeah, the perpetual right. noses. All right. Well, listen, this was a lot of fun as always. Big weekend coming up for the Islanders Friday, Saturday, games against Columbus and Buffalo, and then a little bit of a tougher stretch, at least on paper, uh, with the Devils, Capitals, and Lightning. Andy will be in attendance for that game on April 1st, and uh, we'll talk to us soon after that. So for Mr. Andy Francis, I am Joe Bono. We will talk to you next time, Islanders country. Good night.